Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. How you doing? Feeling pretty good after after this win, huh? Oh, feeling very good. Um, yeah, I, I, I like you're coming to us from parts unknown this week. I feel like we're like in a WWF old school. Yeah, yeah, you're about to face Ricky the Dragon or something here. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm vacation, vacation mode. So I'm in a good mood. The wind combined with me having a week off with the family uh, down here in the Low Country, I think life is good. Life is good. Good to hear. And we both got to just. uh, Oh man, I mean, we were kind of rooting for UConn. We just finished watching. Just it's Monday night, and we're kind of watching the end of that UConn Baylor women's game, um, which was a really good game, and then. I was even for rare rare occasion, Rob, kind of rooting for UConn because um, we yeah, both enjoy watching Beckers play a lot, and and then Baylor just got CAA there at the end of the last couple calls at the end of the game. Yeah, there, was, there was a lot of contact. If you look yeah. at the still photos, it's crazy. <laughs> like in the video, it looks like okay, it's a contested shot. We can make the mm-hmm. argument end of the game, it's fast. You look at the still photos, and she's getting mugged. That was some average CAA ref business it right was, there so uh oh, rough um we are brought to you as always by mossy creek fly fishing in harrisonburg virginia you can go by the shop there on 33 uh anytime right now and get all of your sort of outdoor and fishing needs taken care of as we head into the spring and summer and really stop in there see the team um talk to them about if you're new like i am talk to them about getting lessons uh getting how to get involved in the sport um it just the last week, Rob, the weather's beautiful again. And I, I, like a lot of people, I just want to go out and do something outside like everybody else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, especially with just, I don't know, <laughs> everything that's going on. It's great. Uh, it's a great opportunity and the shop is incredible. So go and see our friends and please mention the podcast. If you do, they're always happy to hear about us and you get a free sticker from Mossy Creek if you do it. So Thank you big time to Brian and Colby and the team and good luck to them for a great spring and summer. Um, we're going to do our quick roundup around the sports tonight. And then we're going to just talk big picture about the big win on Saturday. Um, glorious, unexpected Rob. I mean, out of the blue, like three weeks of pretty dreadful football. I, I mean, I, I don't know. The Morgan state game really didn't count, but the other two games were, you know, were troubling at best. And yeah, then I mean, two, two weeks of yeah of no games. I mean, t- just t- to cut it short, like I think this was the team we all expected before mm-hmm. the season started, um, and then we've drastically had our expectations kind of readjusted. Yeah, um, it was just nice to see a, a dominating victory. You know, to see like yeah. the better team clearly play. Like they left no doubt, and that's all you no. wanted. And and we had talked about this last week, and before we started recording tonight, I thought this was going to be the first week that that it felt like a real season. You know, I, I kind of felt like JMU had its back against the wall two weeks of the COVID. Like I had a lot of trouble getting into the swing of things. I felt like JMU did not look like JMU. Uh, the, the previous two games um, mm-hmm. really looked like a, an ill-prepared team. And I felt like it was about to get very real, not in the like, you know, it's getting real, like, but, but in the very literal sense, like the season kind of in many ways came down to Saturday. Could they put mm-hmm. it together? And, and start playing like the team that we thought they were, or were they going to fall apart and lose and the season was going to just spiral downhill? Um, and thankfully, it turned out like it, they that's a great result. That's a great result, and we can talk about the fact that William Mary was down players. Well, so was JMU. 
I mean, oh, this yeah. is a tough season. And anytime you go out there and play, the guys on the field need to take care of business. And they did. It was really exciting just to have a positive result. Yes. Not a squeaker. Um, so many things. Guys stepping up. It's exactly what we talked about last mm-hmm. week leading up to this game. Like, we're going to need to have people just kind of play their role, not just win on pure athleticism, but like come in there, execute a game plan, mm-hmm. stick to some sort of, of strategy. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. And they just have an absolutely you know, going away, blowout sort of victories, exactly what this team needed. Like, I actually feel confident now. Like, okay, this is one of the the top teams. When they play to their best, this is a team that can really just exert its will on other people. I, I mean, going into it, we're going to come back to it, but going into it, I thought they might have even been the underdog. Then we found out that William yeah. & Mary was down a couple important players for them as well. And so, it, you know, by kickoff, you're kind of like, all right, you know, this is a pretty, could be a, just a tough game. Yeah. But I, and I thought, okay, Jim, you can win this game. But I did not expect them. They looked like a contender. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to, rankings don't matter. And I don't care whether they're number one or number 10 or number 20. But they looked like a real team who's a threat any week. And that was exciting. Yeah. yeah. And they looked like they knew what they were doing. <laughs> like, yes. like they had a plan. And yes. we'll get to that in a second. Because I think there were some coaching changes as well that, um, yeah. you know, so on and off the field, they were good. Um we should go around first, Rob, just quickly to knock this, uh, to go around. I mean, there's a lot of swimming and diving going on that we don't know a lot about, but they have been very successful in the CAA championships this week. Yes. Um, congratulations to that team. Uh, women's soccer beat College of Charleston this weekend for their first win of the season. Very good. They've only played two games. Um, men's soccer won at College of Charleston a while ago, I want to say. The weird thing I want to notice with um, – Men's soccer, Rob, they only have two games left in the regular season. Yeah. They play the next two Fridays. They're at William & Mary, and then they're home for UNC Wilmington the following Friday. And that's it. And they've been a really good team. They're like they've been, uh, they've been they're ranked, yeah. they're consistent, and they're like well thought of. And certainly they have high hopes, I would think, for whatever format their postseason takes. Mm-hmm. Um, so important to keep an eye on men's soccer. And then the other team that in a very similar position is volleyball. Uh, who beat William and Mary twice over the weekend to get to seven and two, six and one in the CAA, and and they're in tournament time. They're going this Friday to Towson to play the CAA tournament. They're scheduled to play Northeastern on Friday. I, I'm a little confused on the whole records thing. It looks like that's like a two three game or a one. I, I don't know. I don't know. They are they play Friday and the winner plays Saturday in the CAA championship. Um, so that's a team that's been extremely strong this year and has high hopes. I did not realize we were like down to it. No, I didn't <laughs> either. We're there um, in men's soccer and volleyball. We're pretty much there. Uh, re- happy, bittersweet, whatever. I mean, softball took two out of three from Elon. That was their first loss of the season, a tight mm-hmm. one, five, four. They almost came back and pulled it off. Um, they are at 11 and one looking great, playing great. Uh, the transfer pitcher has been unhittable for them. Just really strong. They have a doubleheader against George Washington at home this Wednesday, and then they have a series at home this weekend against Charleston. So uh, we would expect them to uh, find the get pick back on the winning wins. side again. Yeah, yeah, pick up some wins here. Um, baseball, they're just terrible, and they have COVID, so we haven't had that for a while. Um, lacrosse, I think it's notable. They played well. Uh, this was a good – they lost 15-12 to UVA. Um yeah. They didn't play great, but it was a respectable result, right? I mean, yeah. 
I think um, a hopeful sign as uh, it seems like the Carolina game, you look at Carolina's record, that's the number one team in the nation and look at the teams they've played and what they've done against the everyone, including JMU. It's almost like not, they almost seem like they're just at another tier than everyone else. So it was good to see JMU in a tussle with the number eight team. It looked like you, yeah, I don't know if you had some thoughts there, but yeah. No, no, I just think it was good. Like they, they were there, they were competitive. And then it's just, I mean, lacrosse, much like basketball, is a game of runs. Mm-hmm. And I think they just gave a run there and then that that was it. Um, but Doherty's playing well, like despite the fact that, you know, that they're giving up a lot of goals. She's she's come with some big saves and definitely living up to her, her preseason hype. But um, it's just, it's a tough year for them. You know, they, they've already got one CA loss. Um, yeah, they're four and three. See where, yeah, yeah, one loss is the CAA that's disappointing, and then the other two are Carolina and UVA, which are not. It's weird. They do play – they're at Liberty this week um, on Wednesday. That's a big one for them yeah. because they still have some games left. I thought they might be like right down at the end of the season, but it does look like they have three or four more contests. And there are a couple other ranked CAA opponents. So there are a little more opportunities out there than I thought for them to keep yeah. building. So um, – Hopefully lacrosse can keep piling on. Uh, field hockey one and one. They go to Drexel Friday. That's that's actually on Flow Sports. So uh, or anyone that has the full package, <laughs> you oh, yeah. can check out the field hockey team who's still basically starting their season. Um, they're always one of the last teams to get going. And here we go. So uh, and then women's tennis, Rob. I know this is your team. Um, they lost four three, a heartbreaker uh, to VCU, but they did come back and beat UNC Wilmington and Elon. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're at eight, they're eight and two, four and zero in the CAA. So, yeah. Coach Shelley rolling right along. Um, yeah, that that's pretty amazing what they've been yeah. able to do, and you know, backing it up after winning it, like we said, um, two years ago, last season, but but two years ago. So that's and exciting been, to see. I've been wondering about like tennis in particular. I, I mean, you see it a little bit with swimming and diving. Like the more, um, I don't know what to say, individual sports, mm-hmm. where you're probably not going to have like the disastrous COVID issues that you do in other sports I, I mean just in the sense that you might be able to continue to play the match without a player i almost feel like it's more impressive and more it's more akin to a regular season in a sport like tennis um you know yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. this crazy results we've seen in everything else so but really good times for jmu i saw kevin warner tweeting out the you know his normal wrap up like spring this is the time of year when he starts winning paying attention to the all sports winning percentage yeah exactly um and jmu right on track for their usual high expectations uh so hopefully everyone can get that keep that moving um but especially men's soccer and volleyball those were the two that stood out to me rob just coming to the end of the season with really strong teams headed to the postseason so yeah. we'll we will have to talk about that over the next couple of weeks but we got to talk about football yeah. <laughs> This is uh, this was an exciting weekend. The Dukes beat the Tribe in Williamsburg, thirty-eight to ten. Uh, a game that was over after the first quarter. It was twenty-eight nothing. Um, yeah. It wasn't perfect, and we'll get there. But uh, it wasn't even perfect when they were up twenty-eight to zero. I mean, there were, you know, they were fortunate when Mary made some mistakes and really contributed to their own demise uh, early on. Uh, but there were some really good things. And Rob, I think you should probably start us off with a big picture thought here. Well, the big picture thought for me is Signetti's uh, post-game talk was really the thing that stuck out to me most. And for people who haven't seen it, he really talked about how this was the first week where he felt like he got back to coaching and he no longer was purely the, what do you call it, the social distancing coordinator? Yes, yes. Um, 
and I don't know if anybody saw it, but it was actually kind of moving. Like he got pretty choked up and it made me realize like how tough this is on all the players and coaches. Um, certainly gave me sympathy for the people like Chattanooga, which is, you know, a, a different story, but you know, the yeah. people decided to opt out. Like this is much more trying, I think on everybody involved than, than many of us realize as fans. But Signetti went to great lengths to talk about that. He, the fact that he really has just been focused on dealing with COVID and not on preparing his team. Mm-hmm. And he felt like he owed it to everybody and really held himself accountable and said, you know, for the first time he, he really dove in and was putting his effort into coaching, not COVID. And I think that's the big takeaway. Like th- this was, this was the, the clearest victory JMU's had. And it's also the time when the coach is saying, Hey, look, we, we actually stuck to football this time. We, we did what we had to do. To me, that was really encouraging because I, I got to be honest, like I've not wavered at all on Signetti as a coach, but I really felt like the team looked very poorly prepared the, mm-hmm. the two prior games. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if maybe they were just, you know, looking at the rankings or not taking their opponent seriously, but they didn't look like they had any real game plan to execute in the first half of, of the last two games. And that was totally different this time. Um, mm-hmm. Might be coincidence. I'd like to believe it is not. And this is just a case where Signetti on down really just took control and had a much better, even in limited practice time, they seem more mm-hmm. prepared, you know? Um, yeah. And this is, I don't think it's a knock on any of the assistant coaches or anything. Signetti isn't saying that, you know, he was doing something else and they couldn't handle it. I mean, that's, they're assistant coaches for a reason, you know, not to be rude, but like, right, they're right. not ready to do the full game plan. They need the whole head coach. So that to me was the most encouraging aspect. Obviously Cole stepping up and playing well, that's a great story. Uh, Keon Black, you know, stepping up and, and seeing the depth at running back. But to me, it was just the fact that Signetti talked about how this week was different or the preparation leading up to this week was different. And it really resulted in, in you know, a better, better product on the field. Absolutely. And I, I, uh, it also, I was really pleased to see, it felt like a little bit of accountability from Signetti to me, mm-hmm. the comments a, a about he said, I needed to get back to coaching and not doing this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I needed to dip my, I needed to be a part of the football planning. And I needed to not be so hard on the kids off the field. Like at some point, it, it doesn't help me to be, if they all mad at me for what, you know, being the, I don't know, the COVID dad off the field, but we're also not prepared because I'm not doing the football stuff. Like I thought that was the undercurrent of what he was saying. And I felt it felt good to me to, to hear him take a little accountability. And it was reflected in the way the players responded. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he kind of the last couple of weeks had the he had to kind of take a step back and say, I can't control COVID. No, but can't. I can try to get the kids who are going to be out there ready to play. And yep. they were certainly ready this week from a schematic standpoint to play JMU football. And yeah, I'm with you. I was really, really pleased. And you're right. It's just so hard to, you know, and these kids, I just keep thinking about it. I mean, they got, they're playing spring football, but their friends at other, their friends at JMU are just in the warm weather starting to get out of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, their friends who go to other schools, maybe they go to a, a school that played in the fall and isn't playing in the spring. So they're in like spring fun mode, you know, and I, it's just got to be. <laughs> I don't know. It's such a frustrating thing. I mean, and football's a different animal than a lot of other sports because there's there's 90 kids. I mean, I don't, you know, you you just can't monitor 
90 kids all the time. The, no, we talk about that all the time Yeah, in reference to like accountability and ultimately like clearly the head coaches are, are ultimately the, the ones in charge, but mm-hmm. you also see it when guys get in trouble and this, like it, it's kind of an unwinnable game. If you start to hold one guy accountable for the actions <sighs> of 90 others. Um, yeah. So maybe it's more about setting the tone rather than being kind of the, the COVID dad, like you said, like it's, if you just set stone says, Hey guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play. We're going to prepare. I'm going to trust you to take care of things and, and handle the protocols. That's probably a better approach than whatever, like checking social media and texting people through. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, but like, I don't know either. It I seemed like he, was he didn't feel yelling like at people for having parties or whatever yeah. the situation was. It doesn't seem like it was, it almost seemed counterproductive in the end. Yeah. And I think his point was, seemed to be, I'm better off just trying to win with X and O's yeah. than worrying about the kids off the field. And Correct. And just let, let them be held accountable for themselves. Say like, this is what it takes to, to be on the field. I'm going to trust you guys to get it done, but we got a job to do and kind of get in line. It, it's kind of a tough lesson for him to learn. It sounds like he really was kind of emotional about it, um, but it looked a lot better on the field. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. Well, and I think the coaches, you know, in all the sports, they pride themselves so much on like, I don't know, holding their athletes accountable to a real high standard mm-hmm. in terms of just being students and citizens in Harrisonburg, right? Yep. I mean, they, they most of them at JMU take that seriously. But at some point, like, some of that's got to be, that's what Dr. Miller's job is, right? Yeah. That's what, like, that's somebody else's job at some point if people aren't acting right. And I thought we saw it this week. I mean, there were kids who were unavailable because of COVID and, you know, we're not here to speculate, but there appeared to be a few numbers who were available during the game that were not on the field. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what the, where that came from, but it's, it certainly seemed like there was a lot of accountability going around and the players responded. So I was glad to see that. Um, Rob, my next thing, I just want to talk about special teams as a whole because there's three parts to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I always focus on this, but... One, it, the first thing we should say is congratulations to Ethan Racky. He tied the all-time CAA record for field goals this weekend, and it seems you know extremely likely to take that record for extend himself, that. Um, yeah. extend that, yeah, going forward. Um, so huge congratulations to a kid that's been a huge part of this program for a long time now, uh, and hopefully will be again in the fall. It seems to be. Uh, so yeah, he's really going to extend the record if he stays yeah, healthy, um, and just seems. He's been super reliable and, you know, very deserving of, of a record holder. It's not just because the offense is so great. He himself has been particularly reliable. So yeah, no, that's he's, the he's first. a lot of big kicks. It's been yeah, very first thing, congrats to Ethan Racky. Uh, the second thing was the fake field goal call, um, early, you know, early in the game, early-ish in the game. Uh, JMU was up 14-0, I think, and William Mary threw a terrible interception that really looked like it might, blow the game open. Jamie didn't, didn't look like they were going to cash it in. It looked like Ethan Racky was going to get a chance to tie the record with a very short field goal. And they ran a fake and they scored a touchdown. And it was a great call. It was particularly fun because William and Mary ran a fake field goal against JMU last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this felt like I a little forgot bit about that. Yeah. yeah. And so we'll get to that. We'll get to more of that <laughs> in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also looked like a direct result potentially as we look back at the time that Elon came to Bridgeforth and beat the snot out of, you know, what we thought was an unbeatable JMU team under coach Signetti, that looked like one of those things that might've been 
you know, if not a direct result, at least an indirect result of Coach Signetti sticking his head back in the film room and the football part of the operation and saying, hey, we need to make something, even if it wasn't the call itself, right? It's just like, hey, special teams, we need to make some things happen. Like we need, if we get a chance to put, or we get a chance to step on somebody's neck, we need to do it. You know, like this is no, we're not going to mess around with this game. I mean, I, that was a very happy play. Um, and that no, just blew the game wide open. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point too, though, but just again, setting the tone. And that's mm-hmm. what I took away from Signetti's thing. Like he's going to get back to coaching and he's going to set, kind of set the standard that everybody else will follow. And that certainly happened on the special team side. So. Yeah, that's a great and then the point. third part of the special teams is the negative part. Not as good. I don't know what the hell happened on the fake punt. Um, look, we love Harry. After Jimmy, he might be our fa- one of our. Fa- he's certainly one of our top five all-time favorite JMU yeah. player. He's up there um, with chances to get higher. Um, in the old days, we know under Houston, there was a there. It was Harry's call. There was, was a point in time when we had yeah. heard that it was Harry's read if he thought he could make it on a fake punt. Um, this was particularly egregious because it was like, so A, it was in the fourth quarter of a thirty then 38-3 to three game, I believe. It was fourth and 12 or something. It was fourth and very long. Um, mm-hmm. And Harry took off to the left side and did not make it. Uh, I'm almost glad he didn't make it from William and Mary's standpoint. Um, I, so I don't know if the coach, special teams coach called it. I don't know if Harry read it. I don't know what happened. But needless to say, Coach London looked like he was upset after the game with Coach Signetti about it. I really don't blame him. It was kind of a what the hell are we doing moment. Yeah. And, and, and actually, it seemed like Signetti was just as angry and certainly just as surprised by the fake by the fake bunt call. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't know. He seemed to be trying to explain it to London after the game and failing. Uh, so I don't know what happened there, but it was uh, – hopefully we will not see that again because that led directly yeah, to – we, we go back to if the theme of tonight is is accountability, you know, yeah. he, he, he can't push that off on somebody no. else. No, He's got to no. take that one. And, you know, if oh. London gets up in his face, that might be one. Like, yeah, you got me. You got me, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> Won't happen again. Yeah. And then I, I did have a couple more, Rob. You mentioned briefly um, the freshmen. I mean, so the two guys on offense, I mean, first of all, we've talked about the embarrassment of riches at the running back position for forever, right? For going on f- four years in a row now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Keelan Black was, I mean, he's special. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple runs in there. That little he's got scoop, the jump cut. Yeah, that little jump yeah. cut to the outside is and then his like his torque, right? I mean, like that jump cut, and then zero to sixty He's in one second. Yeah. I mean, it is fast. I mean, he was great. You don't and, you don't yeah. want to say Barry Sanders, but it it's like <sighs> it's like you know seven yeah. tenths of Barry Sanders sort of thing. Well, and I got a little carried away. I, I did get a little carried away, um, you know, on social media talking about him on Saturday and stuff. And even in my own head, I didn't even – I was probably more carried away in my own head than I put out there publicly. Like, it's also just a reminder that because JMU is so stacked and guys don't get a chance to, like they, – they basically run two plays and then they switch. Yeah. Everyone in the backfield. And this weekend we saw, like, Jawan Hamilton and Keelan Black take, you know, 80% of the handoffs between the two of them. Um, a little bit of Austin Douglas. I mean, incredible that a kid who started at West Virginia last year – is the sixth best running back on the team right now. Um, I, I don't even know what to say, right? But um, the guys above them were out. 
both those guys got a chance. And you just saw with Black, especially, who got to really carry the load, you know, from the second quarter on. Uh, running backs do like to get the ball, <laughs> you yeah. know, and sometimes they get in a rhythm. And, getting a, yeah, yeah, the rhythm thing is a big deal. Like, I, I was impressed with him, though. Like, just watching the highlights, you can see, like, that jump cut and then the north-south acceleration uh-huh. is really neat. Like, it's not – you see a lot of running backs kind of – I guess hesitate isn't the right word, but they kind of get too shifty where it's back and forth or, or they make a cut and then they kind of go and angle. It's just, you know, the jump cut, make guy miss, and then go. You know, get get those seven, eight yards – that's what's really cool. Everybody wants to see somebody break it off big, but can you make a guy miss and then boom, just move the chains? And mm-hmm. he's got that kind of quick wiggle and then just north-south acceleration. It's it's going to play well for the next couple of years. Yeah, and with Jawan, you know, the early effectiveness of the passing game, uh, you know, I don't really want to talk that much about Cole tonight. Mm-hmm. Like he he was what we hoped he would be before the season. He wasn't perfect. But he made a really good throw. The very first drive, he, that third down, where he had to kind of shift in the pocket and be patient and wait for Thornton to come open. And then like a little touch pass was a really nice play. There were a couple of those. Um, he obviously was slinging it downfield. But one thing I want to point out about Jawan is one thing I always forget, because Jawan usually is the second or third guy in, in the running back position, he's so good in pass protection and yes. passing schemes. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, his... What he's so dangerous out of the backfield, I felt like William and Mary was trying to account for him on passing downs or passing plays. Yeah. And that just added to there it seemed like guys were wide open and, and it and that Cole had time. And I think some of that goes to Jawan's he's just such a capable pass pro back. Um you know, it absolutely does a, go to him, but does it also yeah. go back to again the, the theme of the night to Signetti just talking about better preparation? You know, his yep. post-game comments, he talked about the fact that, yeah, Cole hadn't played well, but they hadn't put him in good situations and they hadn't had situations where guys were getting open. I didn't think that was him throwing shade at the wide receivers. And I, I thought it was him saying we hadn't put together good enough schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, where Johnson, you, clearly the guy made some bad throws into, you know, double coverage and bad decisions. But it's the Signetti was kind of saying, like, he didn't have a lot of better options. So, yeah, he was forcing it, but it maybe not, wasn't as bad as we as fans <laughs> Would have led yeah. to believe. So I, I do think we need to talk about Cole a little bit because yeah. this was a situation. This We could overreact a number of different ways here. Mm-hmm. We could be like, oh, my gosh, here he is. He's back, ready to go. He, you know, we're, he's <laughs> the next nooch or the next shore. Or th- this could be, well, the guy caught lightning in a bottle or is this one highlight. We don't know. But I, I do think at a bare minimum, it's a confidence booster for the guy. Um, and it's a confidence booster for the whole offense to be like, you know, even in limited preparation, when you've got the coaches putting together a better scheme, they can put their guys, whether it be Cole or Gage or whoever, in a position to succeed and play to their strengths. That to me is, is the big takeaway. Whether it ends up being Gage or Cole, doesn't matter. It just, it seemed to be a, a more cohesive approach to preparing mm-hmm. for this game this week. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like I, it could be Johnson, I don't know if it's going to be Gage. Like people are all freaking out already, saying you know, it was one guy's going to leave. Who knows? Um, yeah, come on. I just have more. I have more confidence that the offense can execute because the coaches can put them in position to win. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean there were a lot of schemed up plays where Johnson had some real, like hit easy throws in a couple mm-hmm. cases, and then he made some good throws. You know, he, he had a couple. I think he had one. 
pretty obvious overthrow and another that was like, uh, I don't know, you could say it was an, it might've been an intentional overthrow, like just it, yeah. the play wasn't was working out. out. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, he just, he was clearly sharper and he clearly had a sense of where he wanted to go with the ball. And the other freshman, Rob, Antoine Wells is going to be, I mean, I just hope he stays at JMU. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. he's a beast. And I mean, he might be the best player on offense. Like, and that's insane to say with everybody else on the, in, in the backfield and up front. I mean, now they've lost Fornado, but he's so good. Mm-hmm. And he's so big. I mean, it just feels like he, he's marginally open on every, he, he would, I would consider him almost open on every play at the FCS level in a, in the way that we used to with Riley, yeah. where it's like, he doesn't really need to be that open to be open, but when he is wide open, he's a, possible to bring down he seems to always be wide open <laughs> like i don't know he's just bigger and faster than everybody else it's really fun it was great to see clayton cheatham catching up yeah clayton cheatham and then the announcer from william and barry be very confused and he thought that cheatham had been at jmu for like nine years andre Simonov style because i think he was clearly confusing him with his brother <laughs> like, but um yeah generally black and wells i mean wow the future is bright with this Skill with some of these skill players at JMU who are really young right now. Well, so and then those were fun. Kyle Adams. I mean, oh yeah. So I was yeah. gonna say. I mean, obviously we got a little sneak peek in the second half of both Patrick Bentley and Kyle Adams. Uh, Bentley had a nice throw. He also had a play I think called back by penalty that was pretty decent. So I was just glad to see him get a chance to play. And then Kyle Adams, the freshman, everybody was like excited to see him, and he had that one like goofy scramble. <laughs> like I don't know that. Yeah. It, it felt very, it felt very birdsong esque, <laughs> but yeah, um, it did. But man, he put up some gaudy numbers in high school. So I, yeah, I actually, yeah. I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I, I think that could be the future. Yeah, we talk, who knows? We, it was great. How happy must Signetti have been to have a game where mid third quarter he's emptying the bench and really getting the kids? I mean, this was the COVID plan. Yep. I'm sure it was the COVID plan for the Robert Morris game, mm-hmm. and then it didn't work out that way. And I'm sure it was the, it probably was even, you know, might've even been for the Elon game and it was a disaster. So, I mean, you know, like it, it just, uh, yeah, this was a pleasure to watch. Um, I only have two more, Rob. I, the, I, I did want to point out on defense, I, uh, Kelvin Azanama, I, I forget. Like he's a guy that's really been under the radar. He's not, he never played in the Houston era, right? He really, came on the scene last year and was kind of a surprise starter when we went to West Virginia last year. I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, I think most of us who were pretty plugged into the program, even were like, did where did this go? Yeah, yeah. Didn't see him coming. And he has been so solid ever since. And he made one play this weekend where he basically like, it was like a, I don't know if I'd call it an RPO, but the quarterback rolled to the left. He's following both the receiver and the quarterback and managed to somehow cover the receiver and then tackle the quarterback. Like it was such a smart, good, patient play. And he's just, I mean, him and Tucker Dorsey, they're so lucky. And I think they are a huge reason why this defense has been unbelievably lights out. I, Medea was putting out the stats that he got from Chris Brooks last week on his podcast about what Jamie's defense has done in the second half this season. It's unreal. It's like yeah, it's, negative 80 yards yeah. rushing and stuff like, and, you know, and for as com- much as we were complaining about Robert Morris and complaining about Elon, 
the defense in the second half is the reason they were able to come back and win those games. And yeah, they've been just unbelievable. And I think well, you've, Azana, got a bunch of, you've got a bunch yeah. of freak athletes. And yeah, you know, well, like, again, we talk about like, and the line okay. hasn't been great. No, like the D line has not been great. You know, they aren't getting a ton of pressure. They're not like standing up the line that much. I mean, it's really difficult to run at Mike Green, but they're not really like, aside from Green, they're not really holding, setting the line really well. Um, But the way the linebackers and the safeties play, they're just so good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I thought Q Reed, I mean, he had another interception. (laughs) Like he seems to be like MJ Hampton, the two of them. I I mean, and then Wayne Davis was, he was really flashing this week, had, you know, some plays in the backfield. So those three guys and the two linebackers, I mean, that kind of middle part of the back end has just been so strong. I think that's the real reason for the defensive success. So, And then my last one, Rob, fans. It was so fun to watch a game. There was a little bit of an atmosphere. And, yeah. you know, it's funny. I, I, I laughed because it was 28 nothing, And I think a lot of William – it was funny. I don't think the William & Mary fans cared at all what the result of the game was. No. They were just so happy to be sitting out in the sunshine on a nice, warm day, mm-hmm. having something to do outdoors, watching a game. Like they, they're at halftime, they were getting killed, and it looked like everyone was just having a great time because I think yeah, it was the first to be time. There. Yeah, and it, and it was fun. It was fun as a fan. I just have to acknowledge, you know, it was fun to watch the broadcast and have a little bit of atmosphere. I mean, you know, there was the music was playing and kids were dancing, and like it was fun to. You know, that was fun. And I certainly look forward to, you know, Jamie's going to Bridgeforth East this weekend uh, to Richmond. Um, but in two weeks, hopefully, Jamie will be home with some, you know, hopefully a, few more a noticeable amount of fans for the yeah. first time themselves. Yeah. I mean, the last the games they've played at home so far have had very minimal fans. So, yeah, that was really exciting and, and just fun. And, and for what I'm, you know, this is not. Rob and I have never had any, we have no statements on COVID or what the right thing or wrong thing to do is. We don't like it. We don't like COVID. No, we don't like COVID. That's our statement, right? Yeah. Um, But it was fun. It was fun on the broadcast to watch as a fan. It must have been fun for the people in the stands. Even with their team losing, it was very apparent that many William & Mary fans were just very happy to be sitting outside on a sunny day with something to do. (laughs) Like, so, and I don't blame them one bit. I look forward to joining them soon. So, yeah, that's. I mean, those are the big things you you brought up. The, the Signetti thing to me felt like the biggest deal. And now I have a whole different mindset about spring football. You brought up Chattanooga. It's interesting. They opted out. I also saw Cal Poly opted out. This yeah. spring has been so difficult on so many teams. And Cal Poly, I don't know if you saw, but they put out a pretty like pretty robust statement about why they were opting out. And it had was not about COVID. It was actually like they've had so many season-ending injuries. And yet that is about COVID, I think. Yeah, I, I think and, Ch- Chattanooga yeah. was similar. Chattanooga, yeah. like, supposedly the players had reservations about playing so many games in one calendar year, and then somebody can can fact check this. I think their starting center got hurt, and a lot of the players just said, enough is enough. And then, like, 25 guys just said, I ain't playing. And I don't know. I mean, the usual corners of the internet are getting mad, being like, you committed, you're weak. I'm, like, I'm not going to judge somebody for saying hey you know what this has been this has been really tough and i came to play football i didn't come to play spring football i wanted to feel like that's fine i i understand people being frustrated um yeah. other socon fans yeah it's it's a tough break and sure just, is. like 
I'm not going to judge somebody for just saying that, nope, time, nope, I, I see my guy go down. I'm not risking, you know, an injury for what they perceive to be not what they signed up for. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I, I think no. it's a, it's a tough situation all around. I feel bad for them. I don't know what to say. I, and I, I will is... celebrate, like, I think whoever wins this spring should rightly celebrate it as a legitimate. Yes. Yes. hundred uh, percent. But I also can see the side of people that say, you know what? I just want to prepare for the fall. Like I, I see both sides. Yeah. It's a hard thing. I think everything in this last calendar year, Rob has been, it's been so difficult to have two things be true at once. Yep. Right. It is both true that if you're bailing now, you are hurting your conference mates. And there is a level of like unsportingness to that, that yes. seems just untoward in some way. Yeah. Right. And also that this is such a strange year and the COVID issue trickles down. And JMU is so fortunate to be so deep. But even at JMU, you know, because it's not just the injuries, right? Ukwu and Green got hurt, but Tarawa and Amos transferred, yep. right? Fornadel got hurt. I don't know his status, like how hurt he is, but he's a draft prospect. And how much do you want to continue playing on an injury? Like, I, you know, there's all, and then that trickles down. So now you have kids playing behind them. We were just saying we're not getting the push on the defensive line. If kids playing behind them who are probably more susceptible to injury because they're not, you know, stud level FCS players. And when you're at a Cal Poly or a Chattanooga where you're still a developmental program building up to the JMU type level, imagine that trickle down. And you and I have talked, I, I, I've been seeing it, you know, <laughs> one of our friends, uh, JMU Connected, has a, has a son playing high school football right now at Spotswood. Mm-hmm. And he's playing like 90 plays a game on yeah. all three things because some of the players that normally would play for Spotswood are playing baseball or because all the sports are playing at the same time right now. Like they just don't have the turnout for football and every school is different on this. You know, I, I thought it was funny just in the Valley, like Broadway who never wins anything has been winning all their games because they probably don't have like lacrosse or volleyball. Like yeah, kids don't play probably the only other game fringe in sports, right? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, and then the, you think about the trickle down. I mean, they were just, our friends were talking about how like their son feels like he gets run over by a truck every week because he's playing offense and defense. And he's not a kid who would normally play both ways. <laughs> like, you know, like it's just, it's, it's just, uh, it's a tough year. So yeah, you're right. I don't have any judgment on it. It's frustrating. I, I will say so far, at least, we're almost to the end. Like I looked at the schedule today, Rob. There's only three weeks left. Oh yeah, there's a couple of teams that have like one or two games. Yeah, yeah, and we're almost there. And I do think people freak out when the Chattanooga news comes out or the whatever. There's still there have only been three teams quit since the season started. So there's still like 87 teams playing. Like it's not. I, I don't. You don't have to feel that. It's not an epidemic. You have to. You can have your normal Isaiah Livers, Michigan, like. I am not owned by the NCAA conflict mm-hmm. that I think is what some of the Chattanooga players were expressing, right? Yeah. Um, you can have like mixed feelings about that and also be like, the whole thing has not fallen apart for FCS no. yet. And, you know, ask that Rhode Island Delaware game, which was a competitive, fun game to watch, you know, this weekend. Those kids are playing like they want to play, <laughs> you know, um, so. 
Yeah, it's funny. This weekend, Rob, that's a lot. I mean, we could pivot to the going forward. Oh, boy. Big weekend. Big weekend. Decision day. Decision day on Saturday. Big time decision day. I mean, I, that there's two games in the Valley between the big boys, right? I mean, the NDSU-SDSU game is this weekend. And then I think the other game got called off by COVID. The, right? yeah, Missouri the, State is supposed to go to North, North Dakota. Dakota. Yeah, that, yeah so that was going to be a big one. But now that's like – and all of those, you know, assuming there's like two or three max out of the Valley – you know, these are huge games. JMU is going to Richmond. Richmond is ranked 15th. Uh, they're very good. This is a legit game. I am suddenly more excited and more willing to jump on the Zach Price, you know, trash talk bandwagon here um, <laughs> after coming off the way JMU played this week. But, you know, it's a real game for them. And I think there's one. I don't remember what the other one is. There's a fourth one. Um, out, oh, Eastern Washington plays. Uh, I don't know one of the there's another big game out west so you know these are all it's it's time and you know whoever loses this JMU Richmond game this weekend is probably out <laughs> and whoever wins is probably yeah. in you know <laughs> like, they, they might be like I I, I I actually I try very hard not to pay attention to what other fans say but like I have really gotten uh, I've gotten very exhausted with this notion that like the CA is crap. The CA is crap. Like CA no, is no. a good league. It, it's not fantastic, and we can. Talk Delaware's like, really good. Yeah, this is not the the schedule that we wanted as JMU fans. But like, if JMU beats Richmond, that doesn't mean Richmond is terrible. You know, no. it's, it, and and if Richmond beats JMU, that doesn't mean JMU's terrible. I mean, if Richmond knocks off the number one team in the country, they're a top credit. fifteen team. Yeah, yeah, credit to them. I hope it doesn't yeah. happen. Credit to them. But like, I I can't stand this notion from other leagues fans that like when any ca team wins it's just a referendum on the fact that they're the only good team delaware's the only good team rich you know jamie's the only good team but like when the valley teams beat each other it, there's no bad losses in the valley no there's no, just, no. There's just <laughs> tough opponents and it's ridiculous like <laughs> I mean, it, it's somewhat i mean it's i agree with them that there aren't bad losses in the valley but there also aren't these terrible losses in the ca right you know like there are times when you have teams in a normal year in the CA who would finish seven and four and they're going to be out of the playoffs and neither you nor I are going to argue and say they should be in the playoffs but we also know objectively they're probably one of the top 20 teams they're good. in the country yeah. you know they're just good and, and I think th- th- the narrative has shifted where everybody believes that about the Valley and that's fine like I'm not arguing saying that there isn't merit to good teams <laughs> beating up you know there are good teams yeah. left out with four losses but the the CA now it's like it just there's this vitriol from other fans who are like it's crap. Jamie isn't playing anybody. Yeah, Elon isn't good, but Richmond's pretty good. Yep. William Mary's not a terrible team. No. They got dealt a rough hand with the COVID situation, yep. but they're not an embarrassment. It's a tough team. Like uh, up north, there's some very good teams. So mm-hmm. it just gets a little old. Like every time Jamie wins, there are people chomping at the bit to discredit the win, whatever in whatever fashion they can. And it's just yeah. it's just this week it was funny too because it was like the. It had been a couple weeks of the national conversation being about how, like, JMU was a, you know, paper tiger 3-0. and Yeah. Which was not invalid the way no. they played, right? Um, and then they had two weeks off. And so it was just this weird, like, a lot of bitching about JMU being 
highly ranked. And then this weekend, all of a sudden, it was like crickets by the end of the first quarter because you know they they look like the JMU team you expect, right? Yeah, and it's weird. Like and I feel we a did bit it like... with NDSU, right? We did it yeah. when they lost their game, and then they've come back and righted the ship as well. And they've been really you know? good. Yeah, and like I'm, I, I actually. I've got no argument with people that say JMU isn't the number one team in the country, but I do think JMU deserves to be in the conversation. It's just funny how like Weber State needs a luck slash miracle play oh, to be in Northern gosh. Arizona, and God yeah. doesn't. But it's like, oh, the moxie that team shows, and but like <laughs> JMU comes back and needs a strong second half against Elon, and it's just like. Oh, paper tiger, fraudulent! Like, yeah, I don't. It just seems a little bit weird. And yes. part of that is just the nature of the fact that, like, people are looking for ways to take down Jamie and North Dakota State. It's much harder to North Dakota State because nobody's beaten them other than Jamie in the playoffs in a yeah. decade. Um, but there are maybe more legitimate ways to knock down a, a JMU, But it's just it's kind of comical at times. Yes. Um, one last national note that I did notice today and it comes from the chattanooga opt-out mm-hmm. is vmi if they win this weekend they'll win the ETSU, socon. they win the socon yeah um which a congrats to vmi and you know absolutely hats off to one of the most downtrodden programs in fcs over the last two decades yeah. um on making something out of this season um Congrats to you, the quarterback who's transferring to Maryland after the season, but playing in the spring for them. I mean, well, he, he's out for the season now. Oh, out now? Oh, he got hurt. Oh, I didn't he even got know. hurt. He, no, he was the guy that got hurt last week, and everybody's like, "Oh, but he went back on the field, and how tough!" And I was oh, like, "Oh, yeah, that was Eek. terrible." Yeah, don't do terrible, that. Yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah, he tore his ACL. Um, he's done for the I season. Ah, oh, that sucks. But you know, still, congrats to be my. And I, I may rue the day I say this, Rob, but um, you know, the winner of the JMU Richmond game this weekend will be in you know, pole position for, uh, you know, not only a, a, a birth, but a, you know, a pretty favorable, uh, you know, a, a seed and potentially a home game in the playoffs. And Could be an it seems game. highly likely that uh, in a COVID year and knowing what the NCAA traditionally does, um, that VMI could be the opponent. And uh, needless to say, that's, a, that's an attractive first round matchup for the CAA champ. I may regret saying that uh, if VMI hangs 70 on one of them, you know, doing the run and gun all over the place. But uh, yeah, certainly would, would take that, you know, that would be preferable to some of the other options that may be out there in this 16 team playoff for a first round matchup. So we'll see. Uh, Good to see them. I mean, it is cool that they're playing well. I'm I'm happy for them. Uh, That's the kind of story you get in a COVID year, like Oregon state tonight, you know, maybe that's a good thing for, not the worst thing. So, Rob, I, I mean, this weekend, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I know Richmond's pretty good. Um, I assume there'll be a few hundred fans in the bread box there. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're selling tickets to the public, and therefore there'll be any purple and gold in the stadium. I'm sure some will make its way in one way or the other. Um, I hope so. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't say that I've really watched Richmond more than highlights this year. So I don't know what to expect. Um, but I certainly hope we see the JMU team we saw this week. Yeah. And I think if we do, we've got every reason to, to think this is going to be a good result. Um, if we see the team from the previous two games, then we could be having a different story. 
Yeah, and this weekend, I think the most interesting thing about this coming week will be, you know, I assume that, say, half of the players who were missing this past week will be back on the field mm-hmm. or more, right? I mean, uh, there will be a number of players uh, cycling back into eligibility this week. Yeah. And, you know, A, I mean, first of all, I hope they're healthy and I hope they feel fine and, you know, aren't wheezing and are fine playing the game. And secondly, you know, It'll be interesting. They, if if I'm a kid who was out this week and I sat on my couch, I I want to get back and play, show that I'm ready to play and be accountable yeah. too this week. Don't lose like, your spot. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be some because I I don't know I, I don't envy Signetti or, you know, it looks, it looks like they have another week. Like Cole's going to be the starter this week, um, but, you know, not getting into the FERPA HIPAA situation with Gage, but there may be more than COVID there. Um, so I, I don't know, or at least the sort of excuse of more than COVID there yeah. or contact tracing. So they, um, you know, it looks like this week, there's not a huge decision. I know Signetti kind of said, oh yeah, I do need to make a decision, but I'm not sure that's the case yet. Might be uh, made for him. Right. But I mean, I, I, it would be hard for me, <laughs> I gotta say the way Cole played and the way the team played this week, it'd be really hard for me to insert. I mean, you know, and even like Keelan Black, right. He's earned some, some touches there. You know, like it'd be really hard for me to go back on the way the kids that were out there this week playing hard. Um, so we'll 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 see. Uh, it was good. To see. I, I did see Abby and Akanji on defensive line. Thought there were some good. There's starting to be a little bit of some some, some flashes there. And then who's the fr- Kamara? Um, yeah. You know, there's some flashes there. So I know we've been picking on the defensive line a little bit tonight, but there's some flashes. Don't so, come around. Don't yeah. come around. So hopefully. Um, Hopefully we'll be talking about another win next week, Rob. I don't, I don't have anything else. Um, I also, hey, what do you think about the tournament being on the basketball tournament, the the Saturday to Tuesday instead of the Thursday to Sunday? Do you like this or do you not like this? It's throwing me off, but yeah, I mean, I like it tonight when mm-hmm. I need to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with it. I mean, it, I didn't love the first round just because I'm a little bit of a blockhead and I'm, I'm a traditionalist and I, I'm used to. You know, the kind of that Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do kind of like it creeping into the week. You know, it makes it a little yeah. easier. Um, I know. I mean, th- there's no right or wrong. I mean, it's basketball. No. no. Um, but I don't love the the hour long breaks in between games. The fact that a game wrapped while we were doing this, and the next one isn't going to tip probably until thirty minutes after we we finish this. Yeah, yeah. That, that gets old. Or yesterday was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I, I watched the end of the afternoon game and then you listen to Gumball and Clark Kellogg and who I like, I think they're good, but like they're just filling time for an hour and 20 minutes. Oh yeah. You know, that, yeah. that got old. I wish they could just kind of crank it through and say, you know, 20 minutes after tip or something, but I'm okay with it. I thought I'd hate it. It's, a, it's been tough to get used to, but it's four straight bit days of basketball, however you cut it. Yeah. That's kind of how I was. I, I was a little torn on the sweet 16. Like part of me this weekend was really, I was really thrilled just because my own life was doesn't you know it never allows me to sit and watch like six hours of uninterrupted no. basketball yeah. and so yesterday and Saturday there were like ten hours of uninterrupted basketball mm-hmm. so at a couple points during the day I was able to sit and enjoy it in a way that I normally wouldn't um, but of course when a game's not good like the great thing about the Sweet Sixteen being Thursday Friday and having the two blocks is it feels like that first weekend still. Where if one of the games is not good, you can flip over to the other game that yeah. is good. And yesterday you have to like suffer th- if 
if the you only game you get to watch is the crappy one, like yep. it's a bummer, you know? Yeah. So yeah, who knows? I didn't like, the only thing I don't like about it is I wish they would stagger. They got to figure, and I know COVID messed it up. They got to figure out a way to stagger it with the women's tournament. They do. This, I mean, tonight, like I gave up on the Houston Oregon state game because I was having so much fun watching the UConn Baylor game um, in the women's tournament. And then when I finally flipped back over, it was a pretty good, like Oregon state had come back and there was a close game, you know, like, yeah, like um, obviously you can't just have them play all night, but if you're going to do these ridiculous hour and 10 minute breaks in between, maybe at least allow people to watch the first half of, of the other tournaments game, you know, so well, like if you're watching just, the women's game, can you tune in after that one wraps? Can you go watch the first half of, of the men's game and then make a decision? I don't know. And I just like it to be seven days a week of college basketball. Like even in a regular year, there's like two or three days of overlap in the week. And it seems like they could get it to where there's only one day of overlap. Mm -hmm. And I think those of us who are like hardcore college basketball fans, like you said, I love that it bleeds into the week. And normally I love that the women's tournament is the one that bleeds into the week. Yeah. And I would like to see that like, like bleed all week. (laughs) I don't want to go back to the, you know, Wednesday, we have no games. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to have games. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to have withdrawal. Right. Exactly. So anyways, um, Rob, so it's great we, to talk we, to you. We, well, we also got to thank our, our sponsors, Homefield. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, tonight, Tom, I I'm almost wearing... snuck us out without talking about Homefield. Out. I don't know if you you've got noticed. Your Dukes I got the JMU. We are the Dukes of JMU. I got the hoodie. I got the hoodie. Mm-hmm. Everything about this is great. I uh, I love it. Um, definitely mourning around here in South Carolina, trying to get some notice of some CFC, um, C of C fans would have not drawn their ire yet. Uh, again, Homefield Apparel, awesome, awesome, awesome <sighs> company. Such cool stuff. I wore game. my Duke shirt for the first game this weekend. Needless to say, that good luck. Thing is, yeah, I have a feeling I'm feeling pretty good about that shirt. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I well, mean, it's a good one. Treating you well. Yeah, it's a good start uh, to that shirt's life. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I get extremely superstitious about these things. So, oh, um, I do too. I yeah, do too. My, Beyond belief. My gold, uh, my yellow home field apparel shirt with the purple Duke script. Is uh, is off to a flying start. Twenty eight nothing first quarter. Yeah, yeah. My hoodie's been been good from the luck perspective as well. So yeah, I, I, will, I will keep that rolling. Hopefully, um, the the unfortunate part is I've got the hoodie now as as the good luck apparel, and it's spring football, so it's getting warmer. It's not like in, in football <laughs> season where you yeah. when you can just kind of bundle up. But no, again, I'm just, I can wear this t shirt to. Uh, I want to wear it to the softball. Like I want to wear it to a. Uh, a sub-regional in the softball tournament or something, you know. Yes, yeah, that would be yeah, fantastic. Like, really. So, yeah, again, so thank it, you so much to Home Field Apparel. We, we love all the stuff. We love the swag we've gotten. Um, cannot wait to order more. And you can go get 15% off your first purchase with the code JMU Sports Blog at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Um, and if you've got another school you think they should they should cover or you want to see your school added, if you're not a JMU fan or you got to hit, hit up your spouse or, or your, you know, cousin – father, mother, whatever, at Homefield Home Apparel, no E on there. Let them know they're always looking to add more schools. Great company, great stuff. Definitely support them and get 15% off with code Jamie Sports Blog. Absolutely. Yeah, Randall, go. Uh, there's a FSU tie-dye shirt on there this week. Oh, so. nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's I, that's so good. It, that was a fun I, – I meant to say that. I'm like, wow, oh, that was so fun that I started the week that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, well – Rob, the uh, Suez Canal is clear, um, I believe. Global shipping will happen again for, for some time. That was one of my favorite stories of this past week. Um, 
the from the vault rob did you see have you heard the from the vault taylor the first tease of the the re-release of the of fear the taylor swift fearless oh album. no I, I i thought we were talking grateful dead no, yeah. so it, it appears there are going to be six new songs that are really ancient songs you know, she had this like feud with the record label, and she's yeah. re-recording it, the old albums to screw. Wasn't one the of them with Mavis record. Staples? Did, did I? Hear I don't that? know. I haven't heard all the like ins and outs, but the one that's out so far is with Marin Morris. Oh, it's okay. a duet with Marin Morris, and okay. uh, the only thing I would say, I am uh, once again. I know I talked too much Taylor here, but um, she wrote this at sixteen. This mm-hmm. is from the second album, like. These this was an unreleased song. There apparently are five more coming, like of unreleased material from. These were written in like high school classrooms, and it is. This is the like, I'm sorry. This is like an old people divorced like song. It's maybe maybe that it's a little too close, but it is so good for like someone who wrote that. And like that's so unfair that someone did that. Um, yeah, I'm like I'm so. Impre- it's an actually an old school country song that feels like it would have been at home on that album so that that's your pop culture uh nugget cool. for the day um i enjoyed it so anyways rob i will talk to you next week we don't really have an overtime this week uh we, we're gonna be talking spatters next week one way or the other i certainly hope we're not uh i don't even want to don't think even say it. Don't no even no, say no, it. no no i think no. it's dukes by 70 this week right yeah oh this clearly. Is, it's time to turn it up here yeah yeah so, I, I think this is just fingers crossed. That's yes. it's got to be. We, we've earned this after. I will after say this, year. right? If they win this week, they're in really great shape. Like they would suddenly be five and zero with wins over everyone on their, you know, everyone that they would have, you know, I well, mean, whoever they end up playing or not playing again. Um, they, that's when you start. Be, that's when you start looking really at their seeds. Yeah, yeah, they'd be in really good shape to get to potentially six and zero, and if they pick up another game, you know, potentially seven and zero. But in any case, I mean, I, to me, it feels like if they get to six and zero, they would be fine, right? You know, and this feels like the one that is really, you know, they have this, and then they have another Elon game at home. Are the only ones I think left on the schedule? Am I? Yeah, I don't know. I'm and, so and, confused, but yeah. I mean, I don't want to look probably, ahead this year, but yeah, I don't want to look ahead either. And this is probably why I'm not a coach or I was never a, a top college athlete. But if they win this one, I don't even think about scheduling another one. I, I try oh, to stay healthy. I, try, I mean, like you, you don't need to boost the resume. You, you do what you got to do. You say we we won all six, and you move on, and you don't risk injury. You don't go through the more protocols. So um, I know other people disagree and say, no, you try to schedule yep. a Delaware or, or a showcase game. I don't. Not this year. Not this year, not in the spring. Well, not with the potential for just all that adds, right? All the yeah, risk that blow adds it up. off the field, right? I mean, right. I just, yeah. I mean, to me, it feels like this is, to me, this is the one, right? Because yep. then they get Elon at home with a real crowd the following week. Um, so if they if they win and play like they did this week, this past week, they do that again this week, they are in great, great shape. Yeah, and even Signetti said, like, the Elon game felt like a loss. I, I feel like if they can get through this week, the Elon game almost becomes like a revenge game, even though Jamie won. Right. Um, well, it certainly feels like one where the pl- you'll have everybody's attention yeah. in preparation. You know, I mean, everyone will be ready to play. Yeah. So, but yeah, first, they got to get they got to get through Saturday. They do. They do. Yeah, yeah. going to take it one day at a time this year, much less one week. So, yep. 
Yeah. All right, Rob, I'll talk to you next week and uh, have fun this week. Yeah, man. You have, you have a good week. All right. Go Dukes. See you.